0: It just becomes this focus on everything women need to do differently. Mm -hmm. And what I am now finding as I really think critically about the things I have even said myself about speaking up and asking for more and taking what you deserve is that- It is not women who are the problem in this scenario, as we keep flying through all of these directives, Mm -hmm. it is the way the workplace responds to women when they do the very things that we are instructing them to
1: do. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt and saving money today I get to introduce you to my friend Stephanie. Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez is a writer covering women, money, power, and ambition. She is the host of Real Simple Magazine's Money Confidential podcast, the founder of Statement Cards, a line of greeting cards that celebrates milestones beyond marriage and motherhood, and the co-founder of Statement Event, dedicated to connecting the dots between gender equality, gender equity, and financial power. Welcome, Stephanie, to the Inspire Budget podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here uh, because I just, I don't I look up to you so much. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, I'm always looking at your posts
0: and your consistency and your growth and speaking to you even on my show. I'm always in awe of all that you do. So it is a mutual love fest
1: over here. <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. So my name is Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez. I host a podcast called Money Confidential for Real Simple, where we speak to experts like Allison, <laughs> but also we speak to listeners, real people about their own money stories and questions and struggles and secrets, which is really fun in terms of perspective. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, we all say when we're talking to each other, oh, you're not alone in this. It's, it's kind of like a one-way dialogue. I think for yeah. me on Instagram or talking to to, to you as a fellow quote-unquote expert, as somebody who talks about this for a living, right. right? But when I'm speaking to people on this show, it's just like, oh my gosh, they sat, they feel so isolated, but mm-hmm. I, every single person I speak to has the same thing going on, right? They yeah. feel shame, embarrassment, guilt, fear. It's like, this is universal. Mm-hmm. So I love that experience of being like, okay, we can now just throw that shame away because we now know this is universal. We are totally not alone. This is a community and we're in it together. So Mm -hmm. that's been really cool. And then I've also been writing a lot more, uh, not just about money, but also more broadly about work and goals and ambition. So ambition is my new obsession. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So I'm excited to be here and chat about it.
1: Yes. I'm so excited to have you. I, I love reading your articles. I know they're usually opinion pieces, but I think you do a really great job of maybe getting me over on your side. I don't know, (laughs) but I think it's so wonderful to be reading these things because it opens your eyes to different life. So what we're talking about, what we're going to be talking about today, and I'll just say there's a link down below to this article that Stephanie wrote about how to stop punishing women for being ambitious. And it's, We're going to be talking about something called the ambition penalty. But what's so interesting is I never came from corporate. I didn't come from like a traditional nine to five. I was a teacher teaching the majority of people are women. And so it's very interesting to read this because it opens my eyes to maybe a a life and what's going on in the world that I wasn't ever privy to before.
0: I mean, I also find that I am... Shielded from a lot of the things that Mm -hmm. I write about in this piece, also because I work for myself. Yes. And, you know, you do see this huge rise in women, specifically women of color, who are starting businesses, who are, trying to become entrepreneurs or freelancers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we talk about that through the framework of, oh my gosh, that's so exciting, more small business owners. And yes, that is exciting. But actually what a lot of the research finds is that so much of that shift is coming from the traditional workplace, not working for women Mm -hmm. and thus being forced to try to go out and do something for themselves. Because when they are in that traditional corporate environment, they are facing discrimination, racism, bias. And, you know, generally in 2021, that's usually not explicit in the ways Mm -hmm, we traditionally of it, but it comes across in all of these much more implicit ways that have a direct outcome on our opportunities and our bottom line.
1: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And I think that you're right. We celebrate the next phase for that person without ever even acknowledging maybe why they're leaving, maybe what they've been going through, because I think sometimes maybe people people don't believe them. Absolutely.
0: I mean, e- even just when we th- think about childcare, right? Th- that's one of the most obvious ones. And y- you have this, this narrative that women don't pursue high paying jobs. They're not interested in leadership. Mm-hmm. They drop out of the workforce. But actually, you know, that's not the case. The research shows that uh, A huge proportion of women who wind up taking a leave of absence from their jobs, either to have or raise children, are back within the workforce within a year. They're just not Mm -hmm. in necessarily that same job because that same job was not adaptable to that woman's needs as a caretaker, as a parent. And so it's the workplace that's the issue, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the work environment that's the issue. It's not women's interest in work, that's the problem.
1: Yes. Okay. So let's dive into that. In this article, you start talking about the gender pay gap and that how women, you know, everyone's concerned about this gender pay gap. Women are getting paid less, but then in turn, women are actually being blamed for this pay gap. So can you just share more about exactly, just share for our listeners what the gender pay gap is and what this means for women and why they're being blamed? Yeah. So the gender pay gap is just the amount of money
0: that women on average earn for working full time compared to what men earn on average for working full time. Mm -hmm. And so women in the U.S. earn 82 cents for every dollar earned by a man. Now these disparities widen significantly for black women, indigenous women, Latino women. So there are, I will say caveat for all of this is that there are many forms of bias and discrimination. And as they intersect some of these pay gaps and wealth gaps, they get
1: larger and larger. Absolutely. Okay. So then why are women blamed for these? In this article you go into why are women the ones that are we're saying hey you're paying you're not paying us enough but then they're turning around and pointing fingers. I will say that as somebody who writes about personal
0: finance for the last <laughs> decade and and trying to build wealth and is really concerned about some of these gaps in pay and wealth, I have absolutely fallen into this trap. And that is mm-hmm. just bombarding women with things like demand what you deserve, speak up, negotiate. And then sometimes it's little things. Sometimes it's like, stop using just an email, stop apologizing. And it just becomes this focus on everything women need to do differently. Mm -hmm. And what I am now finding, as I really think critically about the things I have even said myself about speaking up and asking for more and taking what you deserve, is that it is not women who are the problem in this scenario as we keep plying through all of these directives. Mm -hmm. It is the way the workplace responds to women when they do the very things that we are instructing them to do. For example, let's take negotiation because it's not that I'm anti-negotiation, right. but the way we speak about it is so overly simplistic. If women just asked for more, right. then there would be no pay gap. Well, actually, that's not true. When women do negotiate, they're labeled aggressive, they're labeled mm. demanding, and they are less likely than their male counterparts to receive the raises and promotions they've requested, even if they are judged to be equal. Equally competent. And it's this backlash that women get for their ambition, for Mm -hmm. leaning in, for asking for more, the things we've told them to do to close these gaps. That's the paradox that I call the ambition penalty, the social, professional, personal costs women face when they act on their ambition.
1: Yes. And so if you think a man, if a man were to go in and ask what he's worth or say, I'm going to negotiate my salary, I feel like he would come off as confident. Correct. Successful. What are some of the words that you would think that instead of aggressive, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So you would have bold, you would have independent mm-hmm. and and even aggression. Aggression in men is perceived as a net benefit. Aggression when attributed to women is perceived negatively. And this is the, the exact kind of trap that we're in that I don't think we're talking about enough. It's the same qualities that are expressed. But if you're a man, it's a positive. If you're a woman, mm-hmm. there is a penalty. And this is what I'm talking about, that this is a bias that's in the workplace and to be clear this is not just something that men are doing to women this is right. a structural bias this is something we all do so mm-hmm. i you know i have to acknowledge that in a system of the workplace that rewards these qualities in men and punishes them in women that even i as a woman could implicitly be punishing another woman mm-hmm. for expressing these qualities you know and and this is true like a cross-gender identity. If we perceive somebody to identify as woman Mm -hmm. and they express these qualities that are typically stereotypically attributed to men, then there is this kind of cognitive distance. There is this discomfort created. And it's not like I would sit here and say, oh, I don't want women to be in positions of power. But then we do act in ways that penalize women when they do try to seek power. And this has been studied, again, and again mm-hmm. and again you hear it in these arguments it's not that I'm against women I just don't like that woman right how many times <laughs> does that come up right yeah. <laughs> it's so familiar so that is a re- mm-hmm. this is this is all been studied there's tons of data to back it mm-hmm. and that's what I'm really digging into in this piece about like okay this is a penalty for women doing the very things we've told them to do to close Mm -hmm. these gaps in pay and wealth. And the penalty manifests in real tangible costs. I actually spoke to a woman who had a job offer rescinded, taken away when she negotiated her salary. And actually now I'm working on a series of interviewing women that this happened to. And the fact that it's a series makes me sick to my stomach because that means this is happening to women over and over again Mm -hmm. when they do get job offers, when they do ask for more their job offers are being taken away. And that is totally unacceptable in 2021.
1: That is. And it just, it makes you fearful. I mean, like, you know, it makes women fearful to go into these places where you don't know, especially whenever your livelihood relies on it. When you have a family that's relying on your income, I'm sure many women are thinking, who am I to ask for more? Because I don't want to face the consequences.
0: Well, and that's, it's, Such a good point because it brings up this other point that we talk about things like women just need to be more confident and get over their imposter syndrome. We talk about these things in a vacuum, like Mm -hmm. women are inherently less confident or like they're born with imposter syndrome, but that is not true. Our imposter syndrome, our fear comes from having these experiences. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it, it doesn't emerge in a vacuum. What happens is I actually interviewed this, this one woman who had the job offer rescinded. She said, said, this happened to me when I was 26 years old and I have lived with it ever since I had never had a lack of confidence before. I had never experienced imposter syndrome before, but after this experience, I'm sitting here thinking, well- everybody told me that I should ask for more and the worst they could say is no, but actually the worst they can do is demean you and gaslight you and Mm -hmm. make you think you're not worthy, make you think you don't have the skills and experience that you do. And that is a workplace trauma that she now has to spend some time really overcoming. Mm -hmm. And that's with her now for the rest of her career that experience is with her. And of course, yes, there are things she can do to grapple with it. And she is, Mm -hmm. but Again, I think it just challenges this narrative that women are not confident and that's why there's a gender pay gap or women aren't asking for what they want. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's a wealth gap. That is just not borne out by the reality of the data or people's experiences. Yes.
1: today's episode is brought to you by the budgeting basics email course if you're new to budgeting or if you need a refresher then this free email course is for you i'll walk you through exactly how to write a budget get started with paying off debt and saving money you'll also get access to my free resource library where i have a collection of free printables to help you get your finances organized once and for all simply click the link in the show notes to get started it's 100% free Okay. So then where do we go? I mean, obviously, (laughs) obviously we can't, can't just be one person fixing this, but it almost feels insurmountable. It almost feels like this abstract thing that you know is a problem, but what are literally the steps to fix it? Because otherwise I feel like people are sitting here left thinking what kind of impact can I actually make on this? To be fair, it is really hard to be prescriptive about systemic problems, right? Of because they're
0: so complicated. I know. But one of the things that I think has been really helpful for me to think about when I when I think about the ambition penalty and just what it means for women in the workplace is is just knowing that it's there
1: mm-hmm.
0: can really help us release some of the blame and shame that we might feel when we do ask for more or speak up and try to get ahead and it doesn't work.
1: Right. Because
0: there we talked about the the consequence of you know workplace trauma. There is this feeling like I am doing everything right. I'm doing what the books are telling me to do. I'm doing what everybody who's who's like telling me how I can be equal is <laughs> all telling the courses, me to do the, courses all the, PDFs. the everything. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and this is to say that this is not to say that that doesn't ever work, but some, mm-hmm. but frequently because there is so much of this bias still inbuilt in the workplace, it, it is very possible that you could be doing everything right and still face these penalties. Mm. So I think the biggest part for me is just letting people understand that this is a, force at play and hopefully allow that to not say something about who they are as people because this has happened to them. That said, I really put the onus on the workplace, on Mm -hmm. the leadership. And if we are people in positions of leadership, that means us too. You know, as I do work for myself, but I do have opportunities as a person with a little bit more of an established presence that that i can have an impact on Mm -hmm. hiring i can have an impact on recommending other people who who might perceived as too aggressive or too bold. And I can stand up for them and I can vouch for them because they might not be able to vouch for themselves without a backlash, but I can vouch on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the onus here is recognizing our own power and using that as a voice for others. One of the interesting that did come up in the interview I had with the with a woman whose job offer was rescinded was this idea of, it was so painful because by that point she had already invested however many hours yes. and rounds it, of interviews and callbacks and you know how the job interview emotional. process is. Yeah. It's emotional. And these days it's a lot of work. There's a time mm-hmm. and energy cost to the interview process, especially incorporating like you do like 14 interviews and case <laughs> studies. It's, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of this is also just how do I recognize an environment where my ambition Mm -hmm. is going to be championed and supported earlier on? What are the red flags I need to look out for? Okay. There's an equity and inclusion statement on the company's website, but what does their about us team profiles look like? You know, Mm -hmm. is it all older white men with MBAs and nobody else is in a position of leadership? That could be some information that you might want to take in and be like, well, maybe there isn't really an opportunity for me to advance here, even if the recruiter is saying that there is. So Mm -hmm. I think those are some, some things that we can be aware of as we're looking to advance.
1: I love it. You talk about how mentors should be giving better advice. And I Mm -hmm. thought this was so intriguing. Some of the questions that, and even if you don't have a mentor, maybe you're sitting here listening is thinking, I don't have a mentor. Maybe some questions you can ask yourself Mm. or really you do go in and maybe ask for a raise in case there is that consequence. Can you go over just a couple of those? Yeah, so this kind of comes back to this idea that so much of the onus has been
0: put on women for, for solving these problems. And basically all the assumptions that go into why, women aren't advancing or why they're not paid the same. So Mm -hmm. some of the questions that I propose is like before encouraging women to negotiate more or to negotiate harder, maybe we step back and ask, why might there be some hesitancy to negotiate in the first place? Could it be because there's a realistic fear of backlash Mm -hmm. and penalties rather than this presumed lack of confidence or imposter syndrome? Um, So I think it's really important that we check all the assumptions we're making. And again, my answer to this is not to not negotiate. Right. But it is to think more critically and holistically what does a negotiation mean or how does it need to change if i'm in an environment where there is a lot of bias where there aren't a lot of other women women or people of color in positions of power what are the ways that i need to recognize and manage bias and therefore have to shift my strategy as somebody who's negotiating mm-hmm. i think a lot of the times we talk about things really simplistically and yes. sound bites. Right. And it's important, right. It's hard to go into this kind of nuance when we have, you know, however many characters on Twitter or, mm-hmm. a yes. or on Instagram. So it winds up being like shorthand, speak up, negotiate more, whatever. But within that, I think mm-hmm. we need to do a better job of really coloring in all the shades of gray because it's not negotiate or never. But, negotiate. Yeah. Yeah it is a spectrum of like navigating the workplace in a way that is going to protect you Mm -hmm. from some serious emotional trauma that can happen in the workplace and also hopefully help you advance in in a system that's still very flawed.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. I think that this is definitely just a very intricate, you know, and and when you're, when you're dealing with this on emotions and and you're dealing with your livelihood, a lot of times many people don't have these backup jobs just waiting for them. It can be scary, and it can be overwhelming and nerve-wracking. So I love your suggestion to just slow down Mm. and really think through and consider everything before you go through with the negotiation so that we don't have any of this backlash.
0: Yeah. And I will say one other just really practical Mm -hmm. thing you can do, not that you should have to do it, but knowing that this bias exists, it's uh, just a practical thing to do is try to frame your negotiation by the net benefit to the company. Absolutely. As opposed to the net benefit to you. Because Mm -hmm. again, people hate women advocating for their own (laughs) self-interest. So one way that that becomes more palatable Mm -hmm. is by making it a communal interest, a company interest. How are you contributing to the company's bottom line? What are you doing for them that merits Mm -hmm. you getting more responsibility, more leadership, more pay? That's just a way, a really simple way to think about this framework where Mm -hmm. it might be seen as a little bit more
1: socially acceptable. There you go. To the people in charge. Exactly. Oh, well, I will link down to the article below. (laughs) at the end of every interview, I love to ask my guests three questions. I think they're very fun. I don't want you to think too much about them. Okay. So the first one is what is one thing on your bucket list you want to do? I think I want to take an around the world trip. Mm. Wait, what does that look like like for you?
0: No. I mean, (laughs) so we used to be cruise people kind of, um, Mm -hmm. the last one we took was in early 2020. So I don't know. We might not be doing that anymore. (laughs) But I don't know. There's some really cool, like, I think national geographic does one where they like go and and they curate all of these experiences and the flights and the hotels for you. So I am already a big, big time traveler, me and my husband. So I would love to just like do Mm -hmm. a full, I don't know, year. Uh, But, but luxury, I have no interest in backpack. I am too old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're too old for that. I don't blame you on that one. Okay. So the next one is you have three hours to do whatever you want with absolutely no interruptions. What do you do?
0: I'm really sorry to say this, Allison, because I know
1: that must be
0: a luxury for you, but that is every Ah. day. (laughs)
1: That's every day for you. Three hours of no interruptions. You know, my kid's first day of school is today, the day we're recording this. So I now have a full seven hours of no interruptions. Okay, so then you have three hours to do whatever you want with as many interruptions <laughs> with whoever you want. You you don't have to be alone. What do you okay, do? I will just
0: tell you realistically, I will sit and binge watch an entire TV show Ideally, okay, I would, fair. you know, work out and, and go get a massage and all these. No,
1: things, we but, don't want ideally. We don't want this perfect answer. We want the real answer. Unfortunately, I
0: know myself well enough to know I'm just going to go rewatch Fleabag for the hundredth time.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I love it. Okay. And the third one is, and I think I might know what it is. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is.
0: Ooh, I don't know. There's so many. I love to spend money. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I mean, tra- I love to travel. I love to, tra- I yeah. knew it. I was going to say, you're going to say travel. Yeah. travel and food, which I feel like is part of travel. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love just experiences. I also love things, but I, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah but the experiences, I, the experiences hit different in your thirties mm. than it did in your twenties. I don't know. Like I felt like my, my twenties were about things and stuff. And maybe that's because I was having kids mm-hmm. and so traveling was a sure. nuisance maybe oh, that's, that's what it was for me about. Yeah. um yeah because i mean I, I was i had my first child at 24 another one at 27 i was a young mom and the idea of traveling with them was sure. stressful and overwhelming so i found my joy in spending money yeah. on stuff and now i'm like suck <laughs> it up kids let's go well that's nice <laughs> we're going You're somewhere enough that they
0: can travel with you and appreciate things too that's fun
1: mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, a lot of the reasons why I didn't travel with them when they were younger was, well, we had no money. And that, I mean, that's probably the number one reason, but also just my anxiety with, with being in that type of situation was just too much for me. Whereas other people, they're like, no problem. Yeah.
0: I also think about, about how I traveled in my twenties and it was like, I slept on people's couches, you know, that that's not really (laughs) viable with young children.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Go ahead and let us know a little bit more about where we can find you. Yeah. So I'm all over social media
0: at Stephanie O'Connell. Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez doesn't actually fit on any social handle, but if you Google that, (laughs) you'll find me. And then I also speaking a little bit more about the ambition penalty and just ambition more generally, I have a brand new column called too ambitious, which you can find at ambition.bulletin.com where I'm digging into a lot more of these ideas and then just, you know, the idea of work, money, and ambition more broadly.
1: Thanks for joining us, Stephanie. I know that the listeners are going to love it. Thank you. It's so much fun to talk about it with you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Stephanie. and, And as I said earlier, you can find all the links down below in the show notes. I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye.